Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosiel and my guest today is Alex Scheinman. He is the co-founder and executive director at the Penn State Sports Business Conference. Alex is like 23 or 24 years old and already has done more than most of us ever will in our entire lives. He was so much fun to get to talk to and how he's been able to think and work and be smart about his career it's, it's absolutely incredible. So even people that are you know 55, you can absolutely learn something from this conversation. But I think a lot of the younger folks out there will absolutely be able to do that as well. So without further ado, here is Alex Scheinman. Today, special guest on For the Love of Sports, I have Alex Scheinman. He is the co-founder and executive director at Penn State, uh, Penn State Sports Business Conference. Previously with 20 as a marketing coordinator, worked three different Super Bowls, was a student finalist for the TEDx Conference, three comm ambassador with Mark Cuban Companies, internships with the NFL, the MLB, 160 over 90. Alex, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. No, I mean, as I kind of just rattled off all the places you've been and all the things that you've done and, you know, your few short years here on earth, I mean, it's uh, the pleasure I can tell you is absolutely all mine. So the first question, Alex, I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Good question. Uh, Yeah, I think growing up, sports has always been a huge part of my life. So my dad's worked in the sports industry and it's given me a unique view and perspective on what it's all about. I grew up going to sporting games, but then also seeing a lot of the behind the scenes at sporting games and with athletes and and just a whole nother world. And the minute I was exposed to it, I said, I want to work in this. And I I love, I I just love how sports brings people together. And that's something that's so special and not a lot of other industries can do that, especially at scale. Especially at scale. I mean, the, the opportunity, you know, when we have the Super Bowl and 100 million people, literally the country stops. I mean, like, I'm always curious, what are those other couple hundred million people doing? Like, what are you doing if you're not watching the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday? The world pretty much shuts down, or at least right. the country pretty much shuts down at that point. So that's always something very curious to me. Um, and I feel bad for anybody that has to work during the Super Bowl, unless it's around sports. That's kind of always a drag as well. So I guess let's just jump right into it. I guess the You've done a bunch of different things. One that I saw, you know, a couple of the internships and, uh, you know, starting out some of the things that you did, you were selling Sunday ticket to students at Penn State. I love Sunday ticket. My parents were like, you know, the first year that was on direct TV, we got it. So I've, I've known it and I've enjoyed it for a while. But how, how do you even start doing something like that? Where does that opportunity come about? Sure. Sunday ticket, it started because direct TV was launching a college ambassador program to get more college students purchasing the over the top service. And Penn state happened to be one of the schools that they were doing the trial uh, program with. And my friend got the position and they told my friend, um, you know, you need to go get another friend to do this with. And he sent it in a group chat and I basically called him like 30 seconds after I said, do not let anyone else get this job. Like this is like, I have to do this with you. Mm -hmm. Like, just trust me. 
this will be awesome. We'll crush it. Do not, don't even tell them anyone else asked you about it. Like this is, I, I need to do this. And he, he listened and he's, he's still is one of my best friends, John Marcus, but we, we started our sophomore year and we were just the reps on campus. We were given a ton of marketing material, a ton of great resources. We got trained um, by folks at IMG Live who was running the program. And then we were really on our own to go sell this and market it on campus. They said, you know Penn State best. Here's, what, here's the resources, but go, go execute. And it was, it was so much fun. I mean, we, we were known on campus as the Sunday ticket guys. Like we had tank tops, t-shirts, cups, glasses. And by a couple months later, everyone was wearing um, the glasses, the t-shirts, asking for the cups. And it just became this cool trend. And the other thing was, it's a great product. Like college students, if you're traveling from multiple cities, um, you might not get to watch your home team play football mm-hmm. on Sunday. And you might have to do an illegal stream or figure out some annoying way to watch your game. Even the Giants, I'm from New York, like they weren't always on in a local uh, station in, at Penn State. So this is a great product. It was $100 to purchase. And for three years in a row, John and I sold over uh, 500 subscriptions every season. And it was awesome. And it's funny to this day when the fall comes around, I, I'm not working for NFL Sunday ticket anymore, but I'll get so many people messaging me, Hey, like, could, could you help me set up NFL Sunday ticket? Or, Hey, do you know which package I should purchase? Or, Hey, are, are you still working for NFL Sunday ticket? And I, I feel like I, to this day, I've stayed as an ambassador to, to the program and, and the company. Still sound like the Sunday ticket guy, man. That is, that is pretty cool. And I mean, you're completely correct. I mean, it's, especially if you're moving across the country, Penn state's one of those schools, people it's, it's a destination school. People want to go there. I know it's very big out here in the Northeast, but you'll get people from all over the country, at least up and down the East coast. And it's going to be difficult to watch your hometown team. And what do college kids want to do on Sunday after they watch football all day, Saturday, watch more football. Like it's very easy. It's very obvious. And I mean, I'm sure that hundred dollars was split between a couple different people in a dorm, in a room, and everybody can kind of just get their football and get what they need a little bit easier. So I think that that's pretty damn cool, dude. I've never, never heard of somebody being able to do something like that. But as you said, getting trained and then becoming the guy on campus, I'm sure people loved you for it. And I'm sure you enjoyed the hell out of it too. It, it was fun. And honestly, it was, it was the first experience I had on campus working. So when mm-hmm. I got back from the summer, I always thought, you know, everyone, most people have internships over the summer, but if you want to stand out, especially in sports, like I think it's necessary to continue working when you're back on campus. And it was my first sales experience, mm-hmm. which to this day, super valuable, just selling, hearing the word no, understanding why people didn't want to purchase it, but then riding the momentum when we would sell, you know, five, 10, 15 in a row. Like it was, it was so exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, every game, every Sunday was, was the pitch and we kind of rode with that and it was super fun and great experience. That is awesome, dude. Uh, a couple others here as well. You worked for Major League Baseball. You worked for BAM for a little bit. Um, I hate BAM only because of what they've done to baseball because baseball is my favorite sport. Uh, and I also saw you worked with Mark Cuban companies a little bit, and we'll get to Mark Cuban a little bit later. But, I mean, where, where do you find all these opportunities? I mean, there's so many people out there that complain. You know, I have friends still that are 28. They're like, I can't find a job. Then we see someone like yourself who's, you know, I read all of them before and I'm sure there's more on the list that we didn't get to, but how do you keep finding these opportunities? And, and I don't believe in luck or coincidence, but putting yourself out there in the right time, in the right space to, for someone to say yes to you. 
Sure. It, it was really like started with networking, I would say. Like every experience I had, I would try and um, continue the momentum and continue the opportunity. So mm-hmm. if I worked for NFL Sunday Ticket, I would leverage and talk about NFL Sunday Ticket and understand, okay, who is connected to NFL Sunday Ticket? Who works there currently at DirecTV or on the NFL side? And they might know someone at another company or organization. And I, I was always just so curious. You could ask my friends and family growing up, like curiosity was just something that was always really attached to me. And I always wanted to learn about other people and how they got to where they are. So I Mm -hmm. I did a ton of informational interviews um, when I was at Penn State, like probably too many. And my friends that were my roommates would always say, Alex, you're always on the phone. Who, Who are you talking to? And I was just curious. I wanted to connect with people. And it. I didn't always want it to be you know, hey, I need a job or hey, are you hiring? Mm -hmm. I actually flipped the conversation and just wanted to learn about them and learn about their story and their career. And then I thought if I could build the right relationships when they did have a job or a job was open, that they would maybe think of me or I could then reach out again and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I saw this opportunity. And it's funny with Major League Baseball, because my first internship was with a company called Source Communications in Hackensack, New Jersey, a marketing agency. And they work with Uh, Subway, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wise Chips, and a huge campaign that I was working on the summer of my sophomore year was with Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking back in my notebook, trying to find my next internship, and I see this company, Major League Baseball, BAM. And I called my boss at uh, Source Communications. I said, hey, do you know anyone at BAM? And they were willing to to recommend me. So one internship led to the next and just continuing um, the relationships and, and the momentum, what was really, really helpful mm-hmm. to get that job. And then what about Mark Cuban? How did you get in with Mark Cuban? It was interesting. So a, a friend of a friend, like my dad's friend's friend, mm-hmm. um, which seems crazy, was Mark Cuban's business partner on a company called Three Commas. And it was a branding and clothing company. And the mission was there's three commas in a billion dollars. And you know, not everyone's going to be a billionaire, but if you can aspire to be at that status, really the American dream that anyone could potentially mm-hmm. get to the three comma status. And it started as a clothing company and involved to a lifestyle brand. And he just wanted help spreading the word on campus and getting students to, to learn about three commas. And he would send merchandise to me and I would, you know, work with my friends in different organizations, whether it was like fraternities, sororities, or entrepreneurship programs to to learn about three commas and what Mark Cuban and his name was Mike Chafin were doing. And it was just a really fun project Mm -hmm. to to be a part of. And I've learned so much from Mike and who wouldn't want to work for a Mark Cuban company as a student. That's how I I looked at it. There's no, you know, if I failed or there's no lost opportunity here, I just wanted to learn and, and put myself in that kind of environment. Yeah, it's just be the opportunity to say that you worked with or for Mark Cuban in any capacity. I think most people on planet Earth would say this is a good idea. Um, and man, you must have just been slinging on campus. You're just walking around selling whatever you want. T-shirts, you want sunglasses, you want direct TV. Alex is your guy. And I love that, man. I mean, that's sales. You got to go out there, get a lot of no's. And especially in, in situations, it's, it's one thing to call people, you know, cold call people you don't know. It's another thing to go up to someone in your class and try and be like, Hey, you should really have this and then tell them no. And then you still try and develop that relationship over time. And that's, that's usually the harder sell and the harder, harder thing for a lot of people to get over. And I think clearly 
I'm assuming you got over it relatively quickly if you were trying to sell everything to everyone. I respect the hell out of that, man. Um, couple of the places you've been and like this is essentially what we're going to do we're just going to run through and learn because you're you're the guy you're the guy with the experience the stories the wisdom and i want people to be able to learn through you so you worked with the nfl in an internship surprise uh, i'm assuming that had to have come from another internship as you were saying before but we'll get to that story but you also worked three different super bowls in a couple different capacities um what came first the super bowl or the internship the the internship okay Tell us a little bit, like, how did you get that internship? What were you doing? And then how did it lead into them working at three different Super Bowls? To, to your point, it did come from another internship. The job with NFL Sunday Ticket and DirecTV really transitioned nicely to the NFL because the NFL is a partnership with DirecTV mm-hmm. and then DirecTV hired IMG Live to run the program. So what, when I had that job, my mission and my friend John's mission was we're going to sell the most subscriptions in the country because Mm -hmm. we actually, we ended up both interning at the NFL, which is kind of funny. And our objective was if we sell the most subscriptions in the country, we will, we could easily position ourselves that we want to want to intern here. And it worked out nice. So we actually sold the second most subscriptions in the country to Arizona state, which is a little bigger than Penn state from a number standpoint, but number two is, isn't so bad. And yeah, it really opened the door to working for the NFL in New York City. It was an awesome experience. I was on the uh, digital marketing team working closely with NFL Fantasy and NFL Mobile products. And really my objective when I was at the NFL was again to, to network. And I remember hearing like as an intern, you know, everyone kept saying my office is open. Please reach out. Would love to have coffee. Would love to have lunch outside of the department I was in. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this. And I actually made a Google spreadsheet of every person that I was interested in meeting or talking to at the NFL. And it, it went like it was someone as uh, could be a position of a manager, but all the way up to someone that I was really fascinated by mm-hmm. who was at, worked really closely with Roger Goodell. And I just said, all right, you know, let's see how many people I can connect with. And my list went from 10 people to 15 to 20 to over 30 people. And I successfully had coffee or lunch or a meeting with tons of people learning about the sponsorship group, the events group, the, the media sales group, the people that oversaw the NFL Sunday ticket partnership. And I, I was just, again, super curious for that summer and met a ton of great people. And it, it positioned me nicely that left um, a really close contact of mine who was in the events department um, was working this uh, program at Super Bowl. And that's really how I got my foot into the door at Super Bowl by just building a relationship over the summer, showing um, the value that I could provide, explaining what I've done on the event side at Penn State. And it it opened the door and it was, to this day, has been one of the best opportunities and learning experiences I've ever had. I think it's incredible. I mean, from, you know, I didn't really realize the power of networking until a few years ago. Um, And I've seen how much my business, my personal growth has come just from talking to so many people. And it seems like you figured this out very, very young that just talk to everybody. You know, everybody's got a story. So just, as you said, be curious, ask them a bunch of questions. That's why I have this podcast because I meet a bunch of people and I just want to ask them questions. And weirdly enough, people are more interested in hopping on an hour long podcast than a 15 minute phone call. So there's that, but uh, you know, it's just asking people questions, getting to know who they are and, and not doing it from a place of expectation 
just getting to know them for the people. You know, people are people. Treat them like human beings and be nice to them. Just ask them questions because they also really love to talk about themselves. So it sounds like you were capable of doing that. And you also, I'm assuming, figured out very quickly, as, as we've seen from internship to internship, sports industry is not nearly as big as everyone might think it is. It's actually a lot smaller. So once you start getting to connected to enough people, you're only a couple degrees away from just about everybody else in the sports world. And you took complete advantage of that. And, and I think it's uh, it's pretty darn cool. And one thing about, you know, so working at those Super Bowls, um, I saw a white glove liaison uh, come up. What what the heck is that? And and how are you hanging out with the Bills and the Dolphins ownership groups? For sure. So to, to, to take a step back on the Super Bowl, and as you mentioned before, I went to Penn State and Penn State has this amazing program in the communication school where they send students to the Super Bowl every year to work um, on the communications team. And when I was a senior, I was selected to do that and really just servicing the NFL communications team across the board. So the media center at Super Bowl is this massive, just uh, there's programming there every day. People are coming in and out for interviews, podcasts, radio Mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I helped there for registration. And then a whole list of other tasks. So that was in Minneapolis and that was when I was a senior. And then fast forward a, a year later, um, this woman who was an advisor to the Penn State Sports Business Conference, which we can definitely touch on, she, she knew I interned at the NFL. That's where we met in person. She's in the events group. And um, she mentioned to me that she oversaw this white glove program. And I didn't really know what it was at first either. I was so curious. And I said, well, what is that? And she said, every NFL owner gets a liaison for Super Bowl that helps them really with everything from transportation to um, logistics, restaurant reservations, hotels, tickets to events. The the job is to make sure that they have the best experience Mm -hmm. possible from the weeks leading up to Super Bowl to their travel down there. And then the week of, you know, being hands-on with the ownership group and their team. And the team can be five people. It can be 10 people and it can be 20 people. And, you know, there was an opportunity to, to do that. And I, I jumped at it. I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. And the first opportunity I had was with, uh, in Atlanta with the Miami Dolphins ownership group. And the, the experience was just so amazing to work with people at that level, understand they want things done at 110% as efficiently as possible. And to your point earlier, the Super Bowl is the largest event in the world. And Growing up, I like dreamed of going to the Super Bowl. Seriously, I every time the Super Bowl was on and I was watching at home, I'd say, man, like, I wish I was there. Like, I wish I was there working, not in the stands, like sitting there watching. I want to be a part of mm-hmm. this amazing operation. And just the experience to see the behind the scenes operation, like Saturday morning, there's a, a briefing that the NFL provides and it goes through everything top to bottom on what's going to happen Super Bowl Sunday, security, communications, transportation, like every single detail. And to hear that and knowing that a hundred plus million people are are watching, um, I had the chills in that meeting. I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow. And that's how I like prepare Mm -hmm. when I go, when I go down there, when I'm on the flight, like I'm thinking about, every detail, everything I need to do, making a checklist, making sure things get done. Like I really live up to the moment and it's been such a good opportunity to learn and and learn under pressure too. Mm -hmm. I've been put in some situations down there that I didn't, that weren't in the job description, but I just stepped up, tried to figure it out um, and tried to do it professionally and respectfully. 
And I said, like, I would love to just continue to learn from this position and, and hopefully go back in Tampa and hopefully continue the program. But it's been truly amazing. That is awesome. And again, it's just another way to network, right? Like how often do you have the opportunity to meet owners of NFL teams? It doesn't really happen all that often. So you jumped at this opportunity. You said yes, uh, as you have many other times and and will continue to do. And you get to meet and hang out with people that you really are never going to get the opportunity to do that with. So I think that that's absolutely fantastic. And it sounds like a pretty cool program. And it's, it's, it's impressive that the NFL is, is not to say you you weren't worthy, but it's, it's impressive. The NFL's letting, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old kids essentially like, yeah, you, you, uh, you know, hang out with Steven Ross all weekend and make sure that his, his whole schedule is, is planned and perfect. Um, I mean, that's, it's impressive, but clearly again, you were very worthy of it. And, and it sounds like if they keep bringing you back, it sounds like you're crushing it there too, man. I, I try. And I, I mean, to your point, I, I thought the same thing. I was actually one of the, the younger people, a part of the program. And when I was in Atlanta and I was, I realized, you know, I, I am the youngest person here. I, this is my only, my first time doing it. I went to the people that were in the program. And I said, you know, how, how many years have you been doing this? And one, a couple people that I, I got pretty close with were like, oh, this is my fourth year. This is my fifth year. And I decided to get really close with that person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like how is this year different than last year? What have you learned over the years? What, why do you keep coming back? And learning from the people that have been in the program helped me tremendously. And when I was selected to go back in Miami, I felt like it's almost if you are an NFL player, it's like my rookie year is like mm-hmm. so overwhelming. There's so much going on. But when you come back for your second year, you feel like you're starting to learn and you saw what went well last year, what you could have done better. And that, that's what I try to do in a lot of my experiences is like, how can I learn from this and then get better the next time around and how can I improve? And now those, those uh, people I mentioned were really close. We spent a lot of time together in Miami and hopefully we'll continue um, to work together as this program continues. Yeah. And then I'm sure again, as you said, next year in, in, Tampa Bay or Tampa Brady, whatever we want to call it moving forward. I think that'll be a pretty incredible opportunity as well. Um, you know, dude, I think that's, that's absolutely fantastic. And as you said, if you've, you've improved from the first year to the second year, if you improve every time you do something, you learn something and, and you can figure out how to do it better the next time and have that self-awareness and reflection and adaptability, that's the best way to do it because next year you're going to be even better. And the year after that, and they're going to keep bringing you back, man. And again, not, you know, at one point, I, I hope, you know, it's going to take a long time, but 32, uh, 32 teams, 32 Super Bowls, 32 different owners. Hopefully you get that opportunity at some point so you could have all of them in your phone and uh, continue to be able to work with them there. And again, man, I just think, you know, what you've been able to do in, in a very short period of time is pretty impressive. And, and another thing, you know, obviously, so you brought it up before we talk about it a little bit now. Um, at Penn State, you co-founded the Sports Business conference which is pretty gigantic i was gonna go this year um, but obviously everything did happen um a buddy of mine nick hayden's been there a few times and he's spoken and he's done some cool things he's a great dude as well uh, if you haven't listened to his episode make sure to go back and check that one out for anyone out there listening but where where did this idea come from and i guess where you know everybody's got a great idea but then how did you go upon executing it especially when you're dealing with college kids and and the uh, flakiness of college kids as well. The, the idea came as I was interning for these different organizations. And I think I mentioned when I would get back to campus, wanting to do more, wanting to continue to elevate and learn and produce something. And 
that's really what happened. I was at Penn State. It was my junior year. And I, I, I thought of, as I was doing these ambassador programs and as I was doing these jobs, I kept thinking to myself, I'm really lucky to be at Penn State. I, I'm really fortunate. This school has been amazing to me. The opportunity here has been incredible. But wouldn't it be great if I could create something that when I'm done at Penn State, that I could always come back to this and always remember you know, why Penn State was so important to me. And I really, I thought about, you know, legacy and and making an impact beyond my time at Penn State. And that was really, really important to me. And I looked at the network of Penn State alumni who were working in sports. And I noticed that Penn State doesn't have a sports management program. There's some classes you could take regarding sports business, but there's not a, a major or an entire management program. And then I looked at the, just the number of people working in sports and the success that they've had. And I, every Penn State's special, right? People really love their time. I could almost combine the two. I felt like people would really want to participate in this. And the common thread I was hearing with alumni that went to Penn State, I said, oh, when was the last time you back? And I kept hearing, oh, four years ago. Oh, maybe it's been five, six, seven years. And I said, well, why, why haven't you and they said, you know, work with family. It's like, if there's not a real reason to go, it's mm-hmm. really hard to make that excuse to go back. I said, well, what if I can make the excuse for you, right? That it's a work-related event. It's a business development opportunity. And they said, if you could do that, I'll be there. So I w- my, you know, wheels started turning. I went to my friend, John Marcus, who is also a common thread in a lot of my experiences. Mm-hmm. He was my partner with DirecTV. We interned at the NFL together. And I said, hey, John, I think we have something here you know, let's plan an event for sports business professionals to come network with Penn State students. And he, he was all in. And I went to the, um, the business school and I pitched it to one of the sports marketing professors. And that was my, my junior year. And, and then shortly after, he, he was on board. He said, find a student team, you know, come back to me when you have that and you have some momentum. And part of what I did, because I, I've never, I wanted to learn from to people that did it best is I made a list of all the conferences that were happening, New York, PA, um, student run sports, anything of that nature. I wanted to go to them. So from the time I pitched the event to the time our conference happened, I think I went to seven or eight different conferences. Wow. Mm-hmm. I went to the Michigan sports business conference. I went to hashtag. I went to a couple at Penn state. Um, I was at the super bowl, which not a conference, but sort of counts. There's enough and- parties there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. And I, when I was there, I would, I would leave with like two main note, notes. What did they do really well? And then what could they improve on? And I'd go back to my team at Penn State and say, hey, here's what this conference did amazing. We have to incorporate this. Here's what they could have improved on. We have to be aware of this. And I, I, I was so passionate and persistent about this project that no one was going to like stop me from mm-hmm. getting this done before I graduated. Right. And dealing with politics of a university is not an easy thing. There's a lot of people that need to sign off on different initiatives. A lot of people involved Um, starting something new is really challenging at these universities. And a lot of people wanted to tell me how to run the event, but I was really, really persistent about this is the model. Here's what I've outlined. Here's why it's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And once I did that and built, a team around me that was really strong. Everyone that was working on this, I think kind of owned a certain expertise and they were smarter than me in certain areas. And we felt like a real strong team. I said, you know, we're in a great position to do this. And 12 months later, um, March of my senior year, we had the first one and 
I felt like we really accelerated beyond expectation. A lot of people there kept asking me what year conference is this? And when I told them year one, a lot of people didn't believe me, which mm-hmm. was a great compliment to our entire team. And um, just a tremendous learning opportunity and experience from start to finish and where we are today. That is awesome, man. Yeah. It's it, I, I, again, I love the way you went about it. You wanted to, you figured out a reason to add value to other people to get them to come back to school. I mean, I never, I didn't go to Penn state. I wanted to growing up, unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, ended up going to Rutgers, which was fine. I love my time there, of course, but I visited Penn state a few times uh, being here from New Jersey. It's, it's a long drive, but it's well worth it. And uh, it, it's just, there's a very, there's a very clear, energy there there's a you know to use the word vibe there's a very really interesting vibe and everyone is all about it and it is like the epitome of college town where ev- like and it's the only thing right you know like going there it's like you drive in the middle of nowhere for like two hours then all of a sudden there's like hey here's a city of like a hundred thousand college kids have fun guys and you just like hang out there and it was just so cool and getting people that opportunity giving people the opportunity to come back and and not only just come back for no reason or just come back for fun it was as you said there's a business development opportunity they can share their experiences their wisdom and you were able to build that through going to other conferences um and i've been to hashtags really cool i've been to some sports business conferences harvard has a great one and just going over and, and just meeting people and seeing what they did right and what they did wrong, as you said, and, and learning from those experiences, whether it's yours or theirs. And now I'm sure, you know, that first year I'm sure was great. And every year after that, I'm sure it was even better what you guys have been able to do. So how, so it was your senior year. So it was when you held the first one. So what, what year would this have been? Did, did the one happen this year or no? It did not. Okay. Uh, Cause I know it was like the 20th, right? It was like right on the edge of right before, right after everything got shut down. Yeah. It, the timing was interesting. Um, we thought we were going to be able to pull it off, but we, we decided that it was in the best interest not to. And thankfully mm-hmm. we didn't. So year three did not happen. We've had two successful conferences. We had a great year three planned, but unfortunately uh, mm-hmm. weren't able to do it. And it is what it is. But as you said, you the third year, you could have already seen how much better it was going to be than the second year. And I'm assuming you can even improve upon what you had in the plan for the third year as well to make the fourth year just that much better and now because you are graduated how big of a hand do you still have in in curating and and running and being a part of that team it's been it's been interesting uh you know year two transitioning uh the leadership team and the student team that was planning it it's not easy making a transition and you know something that was my baby and being very responsible for a lot of the speakers and sponsors that came through to make the transition seamless and this probably goes with any company so being able to learn from this is is great but it's not it's it's not just a one-two step so year two i was uh, definitely a little more hands-on year three um less hands-on in the day-to-day planning but involved in his advisor help you know bring speakers help where i can from a sponsorship standpoint so we we've been developing and um growing kind of a better transition plan for, for the conference and it's been good to, to be an advisor, to be involved, um, because I am so passionate mm-hmm. about this. And I know a lot of Penn State alum that want to be a part of this, uh, but also giving the students an amazing opportunity to, to plan this, because that's what I got when I was in college. And it's challenging, but it's extremely rewarding. And that, that was probably the hardest part about canceling this year. You know, we had a ton of seniors on the team that, that put in so much work and when they're working so hard and they're tired, it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, trust me. Like the day of the conference, you'll see how rewarding this is. And that really 
killed me to not um, let those students have that experience because the day of the conference, my senior year was just like an amazing, rewarding moment. And I, I really hope that everyone will get that moment, you know, next year, the year after. But um, yeah, so, so that's really my role, just involved as an advisor, uh, really like the executive director of, of the program now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, especially because it was the idea, you came up with the idea junior year, and then senior year, you were able to execute upon it. Having a succession plan in place after only essentially one single year is very difficult. Like that usually doesn't happen nine times out of 10 with these things. It's you have this idea or you start executing upon it your, your freshman, sophomore year. So you have a couple years to kind of work out the kinks, but you were able to just go, you know, right to the wall immediately. And then unfortunately, you know, fortunately you graduate on time and um, you know, then you have to have that plan in place and bring others Barely. in. And as you said, it's, it's difficult to just kind of transition all of that, especially only after a year. Yeah, I said barely graduated on time. <laughs> Didn't we all barely graduate on time? It's, it's, it's hey, man, Caesar and degrees, whatever you did, you did, and we all got there, and that's, that's the important part. Um, some other things that you did with Penn State, there was a, a TEDx conference, um, and you were a finalist for that conference. And, and obviously, you know, getting to hang out with you for the last half an hour, seeing your very capable speaker, what was your, what was your TEDx talk on? And, and, I mean, congrats on becoming a finalist for that. That must have been awesome. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It, the TEDx competition I was a part of was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done to this day. And honestly, definitely out of my, my comfort zone, which I, I try and put myself out of my comfort zone when I can, mm -hmm. because I feel like every time I've done that, I've come away with a good learning experience. But it wasn't, you know, just step up on stage and, and start talking. Like, I was really, really nervous. And I, I honestly hadn't done much public speaking to date prior to the TEDx experience and um, you know, Penn state, and I think a lot of universities have a TEDx program and saw that it was coming to campus. And I, I was just, you know, interested in my buddy was on the Penn state football team. We both said, Oh yeah, let's, let's apply to this and let's see what happens. So my idea for the talk, which I ended up just uh, doing was this concept called happy noise. And it's actually what I wrote in my college essay on but the concept is that noise generally has a negative connotation like whenever anything's too loud or you're around a lot of noise people usually say can you lower that can you turn that down that's that's enough noise um but my grandpa growing up would always say like he loved the happy noise around him and i was i was like oh what does that mean and he's like well when people are laughing when they're arguing when there's just community around sports is a great example of this it's it's not just noise it's happy noise right people are coming together and really um, cherishing a moment so I, I really dove into that and looked at a bunch of different examples of noise whether it be on campus whether it be in sport or in my personal life and how I've turned just noise in general into happy noise and always trying to bring happy noise to the environments that I'm in and how everyone can kind of create their own happy noise um, whether mm -hmm. it's with your friends your family uh, I mean, a sporting event really is the perfect example. You go to a, a football game and the team scores a touchdown, like that's happy noise, but also like even the arguing back and forth between the two teams, it's, it's generally just happy noise, hopefully mo most of the time. And everyone has good intentions at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Um, but yeah, I gave a TEDx um, my, my senior year and I, it, it was hard, you know, going up on stage, seeing the TED, Mm -hmm. uh, sign in the background and 
having a mic and everyone's eyes are on you and it's like, all right, just go. And it, it, it felt great to get off the stage and, and do something that was challenging. Um, it. And I, I love it. I, I mean, I'm a huge TED talk guy. So like, I, I think that's, it was one of the cooler things that I think you've done um, just to have that opportunity and try and, and try and execute it, especially as you said, you're just like, Hey, let's see what happens. And it turns out, you know, you're able to pull a little of that information to utilize a little bit later in your college essay, as you said, or, or vice versa. So that, at least it helped in, in that sense. But no, man, I think, you know, just putting yourself out there and doing something like that is always a good thing. As you said, um, making yourself uncomfortable, normally nine times out of 10, something comes from it that you can then use moving forward, especially with some of the things that you've already done. It's very clear that you love to put yourself in those types of situations because you figured out again, very early that I can then use this moving forward and do something with it. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. Another thing that happened at Penn State 2017 Big Ten Initiative Award winner, uh, you won that. So congratulations on that at the uh, Michigan Sports Business Conference, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what exactly was that and, and how did you win it? it? Yeah, it was cool that Michigan Sports Business Conference has this award where they recognize students across the country that are entrepreneurial, um, have done work in sports, have had some early success in the industry, and are just really trying to do good in the community. And I, I was fortunate to win the award. And that's when I went to the Michigan Sports Business Conference, which was a, where I was basically studying for the, the Penn State mm-hmm. Sports Business Conference. But the group of students that I won the award with have actually become some really, really good friends in the industry. And we've kind of, we're going through the industry together. And it's been a great network to, to bounce ideas off of people, to meet more people and, and just have almost friends in the industry. And I, I really respect the Michigan team for one starting this, but it's continued like six or seven plus years now. Mm-hmm. And every year there's a different class of the big initiative award and they do a great job of, you know, I'm, I'm invited back to the conference now that I've been a part of that group. And it's just a great community and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it because I, I was just talking to two of the people that were in that class with me today. and We really have become great friends. That is awesome, man. Yeah, just uh, it's always nice uh, to win an award. Not that you needed the validation, but you know, no one ever got angry about a pat on the back. I think that's pretty pretty nice. And then another thing that you're doing through the Penn State uh, Sport Business Conference, I know you're working the the classroom series that we've seen a little bit on. That's where I've noticed, you know, you as well. You know, obviously you had Jack Settlement on there interviewing Mark Cuban, um, so which is crazy. And congratulations on landing that. I mean, that's incredible. Both of them are, are pretty cool people. No offense to Jack, but Mark's, uh, you know, a little, a little, little bit more, but uh, they're both pretty awesome. I guess, what exactly is the Classroom Series? How'd you come up with it? And, you know, how'd you start landing gigantic whales like Mark Cuban for it? Only in like the fifth episode. The, the Classroom started because of the Penn State Sports Business Conference getting canceled in year three. And like I mentioned, such a devastating moment for all the people that have worked on that. But because we had such good momentum, I started to think, you know, what could we do to take the content and utilize some of the speakers and assets we've had? And it, the idea came because all these college kids were going virtual and doing Zoom. And I, I kept thinking, like, I, I heard from students, like, their classes were not engaging. They're not fun. Mm-hmm. Like, no one wants to sit through Zoom with their professor on the other side who barely knows how to work Zoom and sit there for 40 minutes. And most of the time, they're checking out or there's no even attendance and it's just it's been kind of a disaster from what I've seen both from the student side and the professors that I'm Mm -hmm. friendly with so I was thinking what if we took 
some of the content from the Penn State conference and created this cool, like cool classroom basically. And I was like, all right, what's, what's wrong with the name, the classroom. That's literally what it is. And that's kind of what we came up with. We built a, a plan to, to host them weekly so that we it could have some a shelf life where instead of doing a virtual conference, this could carry on and it could almost be something people look forward to on a weekly basis. And mm-hmm. let's just see what happens. And what we did and over a month ago we started um as a branch of the penn state conference three weeks in got ton of momentum i thought it'd be great to get other schools involved so we we peeled off from the penn state sports business conference and created our own social handles we're in the process of making a website and i wanted to give other students a voice in the classroom and and have other people you know uh, tune in on who who was talking what topics were being covered who was moderating the conversations. So we really just went for it. It's been super fun. Um, you know, like you mentioned, getting Mark Cuban, that, that was a really full circle moment for me because mm-hmm. I worked for, you know, one of his portfolio companies in college. I never really had much exposure to Mark. I was, I, the reason I was working at this company is because I've loved everything Mark Cuban has done and stood for. And I've always respected him as a leader. And one morning I woke up and classroom was gaining momentum. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And I'm going to, I'm going to send an email to, to Mark and, and see what happens. And I've never communicated with him ever mm-hmm. over text, email, whatever. And he responded. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like I, my brother is living with me right now. I was screaming on the top of my lungs, honestly, because I, I just knew the momentum it would help get. Mm-hmm. And I knew the audience would love to hear from Mark and the first person I called was Jack and Jack's been a really good friend of mine and everything he's building with snapback sports has been amazing. And I said, Jack, you won't believe this. He's like, what? I said, Mark Cuban's coming on the classroom. He said, that's amazing. I said, well, guess what? He said, what? I said, you're, you're going to interview him. I didn't really even ask mm-hmm. if he wanted to. I just said, you're going to do it. And I knew Jack would be amazing. I knew Jack would crush it. And he did. And it, it was awesome. I mean, Mark, you could get this. The reason the classroom has been so fun and cool to work on is because Mark Cuban joins the guy's done every interview since mm-hmm. the quarantine, CNN, CNBC, you name it. But he joins the classroom and Jack's a younger guy. And you could tell Mark loosened up and felt like he was teaching a class. And there was mm-hmm. over 600 people that tuned in live. It was probably the one class that everyone wanted to tune into. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like the vibe was really fun. And it's been the same way each episode and we have some really exciting episodes coming up and now there's over 25 schools involved in this and I'm really excited to see where this goes and how we can continue to build the classroom and and who knows what will happen yeah I mean I think it's incredible Jack is amazing uh and I think you picked the absolute best person as you said cool younger dude knows what he's talking about really loosens people up I've had the opportunity to interview Jack if you guys haven't listened to that episode I think it's episode number one of this show so he is awesome uh I've known Jack for a little while now but it's um I I like the way you're thinking about it too you're you're able to take advantage for lack of a better term of you know kind of a shitty situation that we're in now but saying okay well how can we do this and how can we actually do it better? Because now you're getting 600 people to tune in to watch Jack Settleman interview Mark Cuban. And that's going to, that obviously I'm assuming blew up the classroom a little bit more considering both of them and, and the influences that they carry. But as you said, this is something that can move forward, 
right? Like, why can't you do this once a week until the end of time? Like, there's no reason that this needs to be only during the pandemic, only during quarantine, because people are going to pay attention depending on who you have in and what they can teach and how they can teach it. And I think it's fantastic, man. So I just think, you know, what you've been able to build, especially in the unfortunate time that we're in, um, I mean, it's, it's great. And, you know, it's led me to be able to interview way more people too, because so many people are at home and people are willing to share their story. They'll loosen up a little bit. They're in their, and you know, they're not in their office, they're in their living room, you know, so it's a lot easier to have those types of conversations. So congratulations to you there. And um, I know recently you were with, you were marketing coordinator at 20. Um, I know. So, so what exactly, what are you up to now? I mean, most of this time we've been talking about what you have done. Uh, so what are you, what are you up to now? What are you doing now? For, for sure. So yeah, I spent uh, over a year at 20, which is a startup company in the, the tech space working with um, sport and entertainment venues to help bring people together in person, which has obviously become a challenge due to COVID-19. And, you know, the reason I joined 20 is a mentor of mine who I had met at the Penn State Sports Business Conference. His name is Mark French. And Mark is a serial entrepreneur in sports, entertainment, and tech. And, and what that means is he has a portfolio across those industries where he'll be an active advisor in the company, president of the company, a founder, an investor. And Mark has started and had exits in, in multiple companies. He started a business with Dwayne Wade called Court Grip. He was one of the founding advisors to the Players Tribune. He has a, a new venture called X2 Performance. And Mark is been one of the best mentors I've ever had. And I've learned a tremendous amount from him. And when I had the opportunity to go work for one of his companies and Mark, I, I took it and was very excited to, to go do that. And since, you know, working with 20, Mark and I've become really close and I, I've mm -hmm. been working with Mark uh, more closely day to day of recent and assisting him across his portfolio and, and the work that he's doing. Um, but also a ton of work with the classroom. And what I, what I wanted to mention for, anyone listening because it's something I think right now is so timely and, and why I started the classroom and I'll mention something else I'm working on. But one of my mentors said, when this is all over, people are going to ask you, what did you do during the quarantine? It's going to be an interview question. It's going to mm -hmm. be a conversation starter. It's going to be in a meeting, so many different places for that question. But if you're a college student or a young professional, like it's really important you think about it and it's part of the reason I've been so active during this time with the classroom. And then uh, a thing that I started to, to have an impact on the community is something, uh, it was a fundraiser called Making Lemonade Fund. And I started this fund with a friend of mine named Jesse Kay. And the mission was how can Gen Z and millennials have a positive impact on the community during COVID-19 and how can we raise awareness for those in need? And the, mm -hmm. the organizations were, benefiting our Feeding America, the CDC Foundation, and Direct Relief Fund. And in just three weeks, we've raised over $60,000 towards a goal of 100000 We have almost 200 like, college students, young entrepreneurs, a part of this community. I think 50 colleges um, across their Greek organizations are partners. And it's something I'm extremely passionate about. I've been spending a ton of time on day to day and, and just so excited to see where this can go and the, the real impact we're having on, on people right now. 
That is awesome, man. And kudos and congratulations to you for that. I'm always for people trying to, you know, help and, and save the world in some capacity. And obviously right now is a good time to hop onto something like that. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I've spoken to a couple of people with charities and foundations and you always think, all right, well, the world's in this crisis. The economy is what it is. We're not really sure what's going to happen. Hopefully we get out of it sooner than later. That way people can start going back to work and start spending money. But you'd be surprised in how interested people are in still giving and still donating, even if it's five, 10 bucks here or there. Um, you know, it's people are still interested in that. As you said, you're over 50 grand, over 60 grand already, you know, reaching that goal of 100,000 in, in three weeks, you got that far. I'm sure this is absolutely something that is possible. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to, you know, when I'll get that link from you. We'll share it in the show notes here and I'll even throw a couple bucks in just because, again, it's, it's, pretty easy to donate five or 10 bucks somewhere. So I think that's important. And I mean, again, thank you for that. I think it's great. And how have you gone about, and especially with, with making lemonade, how have you gone about going and trying to recruit all these organizations and these colleges and these schools and get them to understand that again, you only need to put in a couple dollars. And when we add it all together, it will, we'll, we'll reach that hundred thousand dollar goal relatively easily. It's been, it's been crazy, honestly. And the, the recruiting came from, my friend Jesse Kay and I are the ones who started it. And I, I called him almost a month ago and I said, hey, man, he, he's a couple of years younger than me. I said, hey, don't, don't you feel like a lot of our friends are, are just like complaining about the quarantine or like everyone's binge watching Tiger King or playing Xbox? Like what are people our age actually doing like positive? How are we being mm -hmm. a part of like the solution? And maybe it was just my peer group or the people I hung around with, but I felt like no one was taking the leadership to do it or start it and he he's younger than me and we're kind of in different networks and he said no dude i same i feel the same way and i said to him with our personal networks from your college my college who we know i think we could build the team to get this going and he's like i i totally agree and we just started we started we made a one sheet we started texting people they were texting their friends it went from 20 people on board to 30 to 40 and now every day our group me is growing and growing. There's almost 200 people in there. We have Zoom meetings every night at nine o'clock. We have like director teams. People are running the content. People are running our athletics division. People are running our press and uh, outreach division. Like this is operating like a full-blown nonprofit organization in just three weeks. And I think the coolest part was when we onboarded people, they, our thesis was correct. Most people had so much time and they didn't know how to allocate their time. And they, didn't, they weren't given a platform prior mm -hmm. to make an impact. And we're like, if we could brand this campaign, if we could build the platform, I think people would join. And it was just a thesis of after talking to some people, but it was, it was true. And the mission from the beginning was there's no failure. If we raise $1,000, it's better than nothing. And no one should be afraid to fail. If you have a big idea, let's do it. Let's do it quickly and let's just go. And Jesse and I were it took like a little while to get this off the ground. Like we kept saying, do we launch today? Do we launch today? No, 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 let's launch tomorrow. And then finally we're like, launch, let's just do it. It doesn't like, it's okay if it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And that, that it took a, a little while to get over that home, but it was just like, let's just get this out there, get the momentum. And we raised like $3,000 in, I don't know, the first couple of days. And we're like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And now it's at like 60,000 and it's just like, it, it's mind blowing. It really is mind blowing. And today we were, picked up by Fox Good Day New York, which was amazing. Tomorrow, Jesse and I are going on uh, NBC to do an interview. And it's like, it's just cool to see like Gen Z and millennials are coming together to make a 
true impact mm-hmm. on people that really need help right now. And everyone's bought in and everyone's going above and beyond to hit our goal of a hundred thousand, which I really think we're going to get to. I think you guys are going to be just fine, especially if you're starting to get national media involved or even, you know, just TV networks and everything. I think it's great. And I agree with you. There's so much extra time. And I love the way you put it before. That's going to, it's going to be an interview question. What'd you do for two months? Did you sit around and do nothing? I'll be honest. I watched Tiger King. I loved it. It was incredible. But I also interviewed 120 people in two months. You know, So as long as you're doing something, as long as you're progressing yourself in some way, shape, or form, developing skills, knowledge, and desire, as my friend David Meltzer likes to say, and really try and make an impact as you're clearly doing through this fund. I love it, man. I think it's absolutely incredible. Hopefully you can use me as that primer for your interview on NBC tomorrow. Um, so you're nice and comfortable and you're feeling good. But Alex Scheinman, this is absolutely incredible. Co-founder, executive director at Penn State Sports Business Conference, uh, co-founder at Making Lemonade. All of the links will be in the show notes. So for that, for the Sports Business Conference, everything that you got, all the socials, everything will be there so everyone can go check it there. So Alex, sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, no, th- thank you so much. And I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And, you know, my, my, my last piece of advice is like I, I've been fortunate to do, you know, some interesting things and have had experiences, but I have, by no means have it figured out and I'm still continuing to learn and I, I'm just I'm just doing and I feel like I just try to put myself out there, meet good people, connect with good people and hopefully one day it, it all works out. So I, I really appreciate you letting me tell my story and you know looking forward to, to staying in touch and, and getting you involved in uh making lemonade, that's for sure. Love it, really. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Alex. Wow. He's incredible. He was such a fun conversation to have. He's such a fun person to have a conversation with. I think he is great at what he does and he's going to continue that that path. And I'm very, very excited for him. And I'm very excited to say I can remember when. So please make sure to follow Alex on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes as well as the link to donate to the Making Lemonade Foundation, which is fantastic. They're raising so much money there, as you heard. And also, please make sure to give us a five-star review across any platform, but very much so if you're on Apple or iTunes. Those are the best. Those are the most important, and I sincerely appreciate that. So thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours. So I hope you make it a wonderful day.